You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. I am joined today by a guy I met in college, uh, my buddy Sam, who we had to jump through some hurdles to make this happen because, you know, modern technology, as great as it is, it can sometimes be faulty and shitty. But my buddy Sam is coming to us from the land down under. That is Australia. So Sam and I uh, majored both in mass communication at Nichols. Uh, Sam is a former... Um, student athlete for the Colonels. He played basketball, which uh, for those of you who are Nichols fans, you know there is a strong pipeline to Australia. So without further ado, my buddy Sam is here. Sam, welcome to the show, sir. What's up, Hotard? You madman? Oh, you know, just making it happen, <laughs> you know. Posted a picture the other day. Last huh? time we, uh, we were on the airwaves together, you know. It was the good old LeBron and uh, Kobe debate, man. Yeah, yeah. I was, and I was, I was just thinking, I was, I was, I don't understand why nobody talked to me about my hair. Walking around <laughs> with a massive ponytail like a samurai, it looked awful. No one said anything to me. Well, the thing is, at least you did it before. It was cool. Mm. So uh, that's, that's a really backhanded compliment. <laughs> Did it before it was cool. Yeah, like, man. You know, someone's got to start the trend. I guess it was you. That means it wasn't cool when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but now, man, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. So, just to start yeah. off, man, what's been up? What are you doing these days? Um. So right now, I'm a travel writer. So I've kind of, I've, um, oh, how do you say, I've. It's I've, it's a cheat code. I've, I've I've somehow managed to cheat code. Um, so I after finishing college, um, I was a, a news reporter. Um, for the Daily Telegraph, which is a Rupert Murdoch-funded operation in Sydney, it's very popular. Um, and after working there for about two years, I needed to save my soul. <laughs> yeah, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, but I'm still grateful. Um, it was an amazing opportunity to be a news journalist and, you know, cover all this, you know, cover crime and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads type stuff, but I needed a bit of a change. So yeah, now I'm a travel writer for a, a travel publication that's launching later this year called Travel You. So just got to write about pretty places and make them sound cool and it's really not that hard <laughs> yeah well it's not because now you go from hard news to soft news yeah yeah i go to i go to the fluffy stuff um, that's awesome man yeah but it, but it's good you know get to travel get a lot of perks um get to i was just in utah last month um traveling around and seeing all the beautiful parts of utah which i had no idea it was such a beautiful beautiful spot I, it is I mean, no one, no one knows really about Utah. They just think of Mormons, but there's more. <laughs> <laughs> there's more than just Mormons in Utah, guys. Get out there. Nah, dude, that's awesome. You know, you, um, because I, I remember seeing the articles pop up from Daily Telegraph that you share on Facebook and everything. And dude, you seem like you have kind of a similar story. I mean, I just, last episode, my buddy Kyle was on, um, now he and I both worked for smaller publications in the U.S., 
you working for Daily Telegraph. I mean, that's a that's a bit bigger deal. Um, but just going from the hard news and covering the hard hitting stuff to soft, dude, that's that's kind of what drew me out of journalism was doing all that hard stuff, dude. It's depressing, man. It wears on you. Yeah, it definitely does wear on you. Um, I think more so, it's not necessarily, I, I, was, I don't know if this is the, the athlete in me, but I could kind of detach for the story quite easily. Um, but what I did find was I, I really hated messing with the families. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about news is, you know, the longer you're there, you start to realize like, oh, we don't actually care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, we, don't, we, don't, we don't care about these people. We don't, we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to cover these people in an ongoing way. So really us rocking up at their doorstep and asking how they're feeling when they've just lost a child or this or that, um, it's, it's just fake. It's empty. Yeah. Um, you know? And so for me, I was like, I don't really, I don't want to be a part of that. I wouldn't mind going up and knocking on their door or covering this, this stuff if it was for something that would last. Um, but for, you know, for tomorrow's, um, tomorrow's trash that I don't, I just couldn't see, I couldn't see um, why I would continue to hurt people um, for no real reason. You know, dude, that was, that is, there was one defining moment that led me away from journalism. So obviously, and you know this as well as I do. And that's one of the things I've always loved about talking with you was when it came to politics and stuff like that, you and I, even if we didn't see eye to eye, there was always a good conversation to be had. But, the lost art. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my big defining moment of this is not for me, one of the biggest problems that's surrounding America, one of the biggest noisemakers right now is unarmed citizens being shot by police. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I was covering for the paper, there was a couple of kids down in Homa playing in an abandoned house. Well. Mm-hmm. Cop shows up at the door. The kid has a BB gun, but the BB gun looks like a real handgun. It looks like just your run-of-the-mill Glock. And he opens the door, has it drawn at the cop, so the cop obviously reacts. Well, kid winds up getting shot and killed by police. And on a Saturday, I had to go cover this kid's funeral. He was 12, I believe. And... Dude, that I sat in the parking lot probably 15 minutes before I walked in to meet the person who was writing the story. I was there to basically just get pictures. Yeah. And I sat in my car for 15 minutes just contemplating, just turning around, going home, and not showing up to work ever again just because I'm like, I don't want to be here. This just feels wrong. Yeah. So (laughs) that was pretty much – I think I got fired two months after that happened. And, yeah. but that was pretty much the downfall. That was it for me. Yeah, and then you lost interest in what you were doing. Yeah. And then I started to gain a little interest because I started doing more soft pieces. I started like, I wrote a story about, uh, this dog going through rehab for an ACL. And I was like, okay, this is fun. This is cool. Like it's soft. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing that could really go wrong with this. It's a family telling their story about their beloved pet and what they're going through with it, um, covered a, a car enthusiast, just started doing a lot more soft news pieces, and I did enjoy that, which I think is why I like bringing people onto 
the podcast and on the blog to let them kind of tell their own stories just because I don't want to dive into all the hard shit. I do, but not in the way that you have to when you're a true journalist, so to speak. It just, and like well, you I mean, said, it just kind of wears on you. I, I mean, I guess that's the thing is, is true journalists. Like <laughs> what, where does the definition kind of start and end? Like we, you know, like you, you learned from Chasson like I did, you know, Chasson's one of my mentors and a good, a good friend of mine, our professor in, um, at Nichols. And he was, he was a rock star, man. He was good at what he did. He was an asshole, bless him. Um, <laughs> and he, he prepared you for what you were going to expect out there. Um, but what he failed to mention was, um, the politics, mm-hmm. um, you know, so he, you know, he, talk to us about journalists and about writers and about how they were rock stars and, you know, there were people who, you know, couldn't be controlled and they, they got to the bottom of stories and they broke things and, you know, they held people in power accountable and all this sort of stuff. And so as a young, like, you know, as a young cat, you get out there and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going right. to do this. And then you realize the stories you can't run because the paper has business partners and they've got sponsors and they've got this and they've got that. And, you know, it doesn't sell or, you know, people aren't interested in it. People want to see car crashes and people want to see, you know, gang shootings and this and that. Like the amount of the amount of goddamn gang shootings we covered in Sydney when really it's not a massive deal compared to like suicides. Mm-hmm. The amount of suicides we went to that we're like, oh, it's a suicide. We can't cover it. But then it's like, oh, you know, a Lebanese guy shot, you know, shot somebody somewhere out in the out in the west you know the the kind of bad area in sydney and we're on it you know yeah (laughs) so um for me it was just like man it's not it's not that it's not that we're lying but the truth is very skewed yeah oh absolutely very skewed truth out here Mm -hmm. um so yeah so it was just time for me to go i don't know if i'll ever go back into it i don't know I, i liked parts of it um but you'd have to wait for a very long time to implement any changes. You'd have to wait until you had gone all the way up to go. Right. Okay. And, and if you're in, if you're in a situation like that for long enough, you might, you'll probably turn into one of them. And I didn't want to wait around to turn into one of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look around journalism and I mean, dude, it's a bunch of people who are just, you can tell they're beat. They're miserable. They're not, yeah. You know, they're not thrilled about it. And you, one of the points you brought up is something I talk about with my another buddy of mine who's gotten out of it entirely is, you know, he covered sports a lot more, but he still did news. But you constantly sit there and question, okay, am what I am what I doing what I am doing, is it important or not? And it's a question that you always lean no towards. At least that's how he and I have talked about it and felt. And it's just like, dude, it gets to a point. It's like, okay, well, if this isn't important, this isn't what I signed up for to begin with. No, no. Why am I doing this? And, and the, the other thing as well is like I did, I was night crawling. So that's how I got my foot in the door. Uh, so instead of, you know, working at regional papers and this and that, I went straight to the big paper, you know, like one of the biggest papers in Australia. And I did that by, I mean, bullying my way in. Um, <laughs> The other part of it was that when when something opened up, which was overnight, I just said yes. I had a girlfriend at the time. I was living with her at the time. I didn't I didn't consult her. <laughs> I just said yes, 
And so I started working overnight from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., um, like five, six nights a week. Um, and was, as you could imagine, not well physically, mentally, anything like that. But one thing that I noticed is that we'd rock up at crime scenes and my natural, uh, you know, my natural thing is to help. I think, you know, some, everybody's kind of different, but my thing is if there's, if someone's in trouble, I don't get out my phone or I don't, you know, watch or gossip or my natural inclination is to go and help people. And so when I'd arrive at the scene and I'd see police, you know, securing the scene, I'd see ambulance, you know, I'd see paramedics working on them and I'd see fireys like, you know, breaking doors open or doing whatever they're doing. And then I'm just walking around the outskirts going, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? I'm just kind of like, man, I'm just like, I'm like that kid at school when there's a fight, like, you know, like (laughs) fight, fight, fight. Um, so it felt like that. And I was just like, man, I want to, if, if anything, I would like to help. And I thought when I got into this racket that, it, that we were, and, but I don't want to say I'm bitter. There are journalists who do <laughs> like, let's be oh, clear. Yeah, they, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like they do help, but, um, it's almost like I didn't have the patience to wait as long as I would have to wait mm-hmm. to help. If that makes yeah. sense. No, you know? for sure. Cause one of the, I guess one of the biggest uh, hurdles that I faced as a journalist. So I was covering local government. I was covering, um, fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Great stuff. But I was covering uh, Lafouche parish school board. And when you talk to them, they would talk you in circles and at least least, um, Louisiana is really corrupt. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But the problem was I didn't have the patience to get down to the corruption. You know, I, I always did sports. So when I first broke onto the scene, I was still kind of ignorant towards some of the terminologies that used, and I would just take what they're saying at face value, write it down. And that was that. Well, my boss didn't like that, but I'm like, Hey, this is what they're telling me. Well, you need to dig more. Okay, cool. And then I wouldn't go dig because Again, you talk about the patience. I didn't have the patience to try to decode what the hell these people were saying. I just didn't want to. Yeah. That's and why you need a gotcha. You know, you do, the, you do the digging and you go in knowing that I've, I've got you. Like, right. You, know, you let them talk and let them talk and then just go, boom, take this. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, right. You do have to have the patience to go and find it. And, and the, the, the thing about, you know, Oh, not to not to turn this into a political podcast, but they're amazing at burying their shit. You yeah. know? So when you go, oh my God, these all these laws, they're so boring, and like all these papers, they're so boring. Like you that's by design. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's so normal people go, oh, I'm I'm sure they're you know, I'm sure they've got their our best interests at heart. I'm sure they do. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna read all this. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's uh and I mean, you hear it all the time. You hear the political lingo. And like you said, they just kind of bury it. But um, moving away. So now, obviously, you mentioned you're, you're with, uh, what's the name of the site again? It's Travel, Travel w, what? Travel U, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So kind of a, it's a travel publication. It'll have, it'll end up having a booking, uh, booking platform, all this sort of stuff. So just a way to kind of make, make it all really easy rather than kind of, you know, you're, you're on Instagram and you see a pretty picture, you take a screenshot and then you go, you Google it. And then if you want to go there, you've got to go to a different site and book and, you know, go to a different site for airlines. It'll be like a one-stop shop kind of thing. That's tight. But so, I don't know. None, none of the business stuff I have to do. I'm just content. 
I'm yeah. just the I'm just the creative. I get to swan in, <laughs> swan in, sit down with my coffee, have my headphones in, and just write. So it's fine. But um, but yeah, it'll it'll be a big deal. That's awesome, man. So they're basically you're basically on board to just go and travel and go to all these different places, write about them, and tell the people what the good stuff about them. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Eventually, it'll probably go because my my area is really more features. Yeah. Um, I mean, every all writers say that, but a lot of their features suck. Um, but yeah, my that's really more my area. It's like I'm not really a grunt writer who just pu- like pumps out pumps out content. I'm more I like to go and meet people and write features about people and absolutely. Stuff like that. So it'll probably go more towards that um, as we go on. But for right now, it's we're pumping out material. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. So, and how long have you been with uh, Travel You? Uh, about 11 months now. So relatively new. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I abruptly end, ended my employment with the telly. Yeah. 11 months ago. I said, see boys. It's been, yeah. it's been a good game. <laughs> good, game good game, but I quit. Nice. Yeah. Now when, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, one of the pieces that you wrote that I thought was really interesting mm. was your, a uh, several part piece on completely blocking out your phone, your social media, all that stuff. Now you yep. did that for what, what site did you do that for? Uh, no, that was just me. That was just, that was me. just your- and It was really honestly like just to keep myself writing because you do find if you're writing professionally, you don't write personally. You just, right. you just home and you're like, man, like I really cannot be bothered. So it was kind of a way to keep me, well, I do that 40 days thing anyway. Um, the kind the it's kind of a Lent style, um, you know, sacrificing something. But yeah, it was just I, I wrote it for myself, and people really liked it. Like it, it had a really a, 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 an amazing response. So obviously, um, it reached people as far as people thinking that they're on their phones too much or whatever. You know. Well, I think most people are aware of the problem. We just don't do anything to fix it. And for me, for example, you know, with having a marketing company. I have a job where it's so hard for me to unplug. And then even after work's over, it's still tough for me. You know, my, my wife bitches at me all the time. Cause she's like, why are you on your phone constantly? And I'm like, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, I found that too. But also like when I was obviously when I was a journo, like you, you have an excuse always to be on your phone because Twitter, yeah. you know, like, you know, so so I found it was like, oh, I'm making excuses at this point. Like, Absolutely. I don't have to be on my phone this much. But, you know, I, and, and I don't know, like if you run your own company, it's a bit different, you know, like no matter what, you know. Especially when it's a company that's predicated on being on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if you, if you run your own company regardless, like, you know, my the, the, the guy who runs our company is not necessarily on social media, but he is on his phone seven days a week because he runs yeah. a million dollar company. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's not, it's not abnormal that people are on their phone this much. They've always been on their phone. Um, you know, or they've always been on something. Right. You know, that, that was another thing. It was like, you know, we keep, we keep thinking about this, this world that's, it's made, it's make believe, you know, people, strangers have not talked to each other on, on buses forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, there was no, there was no make believe time where we were all holding hands on buses, you know, and, you know, singing Kumbaya. It didn't happen. Right. 
Right. You know, we had books, we had newspapers, we just ignored people. It didn't matter. Like there was never this beautiful old time where where we just struck up conversation with anybody at any time. You know, Stranger right. Danger is long. It's it's Stranger Danger has been around for a long time. Yeah, and I mean, of course, you have your instances where you may talk to a stranger, but those are far and few between. And part of the part of the issue I find with society as a whole is here we go. We. <laughs> Get on the soapbox. But no, I, I think people magnify the issues to be worse today than they were 40 years ago. You know, I was telling my parents this the other day. Um, you know, they were talking about the the tension between different groups of people in the country now saying how much worse it is. And I'm just like, but it's not. I mean, yeah, things things have... Things need band-aids in some capacity, but it's not that bad. Like 50 years ago, you know, I couldn't walk into the some restaurants uh, just because I had a friend with me who's black. You know, there's there's so many there's so many variables and issues from 50, 60 years ago that don't exist today. So when people, well, the team, it's just the teams are different. That's all. The teams, it's it's the same animosity. The teams have just changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's always been animosity. And I mean, if you've got a country with 330 million or however many, I don't know, you guys keep breeding, but 330, <laughs> um, there's going to be animosity and, and, and to not to mention that you are all so different. So when people Absolutely. talk Americans, if you haven't lived there, you really can't talk about it because you go, it's like Europe. It's like English speaking Europe. You go from one side of the country to the other. They are different people completely. They're not mm. the same. So, um, so yeah, so it's, I think it's a big, it's a big blow up. I think especially politics and, you know, society, it's cyclical, right? Like we have, we go too far one way. We have a revolt. Everybody freaks the fuck out. And then we go the other way and then we go too far the other way and we freak <laughs> the fuck out and we go back the other, you know, it's just a natural, it's a natural thing. So the pendulum, dude. Yeah. So we, you know, everybody got really excited about Obama and, you know, he's, He's this, this, this black lefty president who, you know, is, you know, really well-spoken and charming. And this is, the, this is the new America. And then, whoops, nope, nope. We're not ready for that yet. Let's go back the other way, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just going to keep happening. Like that's, yeah. it's huge. We're very, uh, we're fluid. We're fluid creatures. So I, I don't think it's time for America to, you know, for people to freak out and go, we're doomed. It'll yeah. just, it'll fix itself. Right. But, um, America. <laughs> the fundamental problem of everyone, I guess, being knee deep in their phones and kind of, you know, just not being able to unplug. So I want, tell me, tell me how you feel for the day before you start and then talk about, you know, how you felt after that 40 days was up, after that 40 day disconnect, what's that, what are you feeling emotionally, physically, the whole nine? Oh man. Uh, damn. Um, okay. So, so as usual, you, you've known me for a pretty long time. I'm, I am an arrogant person. I think that's the safe, that's a safe description to make. So whoa, whatever I, whatever I'm about to do, I'm just like, yeah, I'll be fine. It's not going to be an issue. Yeah. Literally the day, like I wake up on day one and just re reach for my phone. Just, you know, and I, and what, so what I did is I deleted all the apps, every app. And I'm talking no LinkedIn, no Twitter, 
like nothing that I could use to distract myself, obviously Instagram, Facebook, whatever, like nothing yeah. connected me with other people. Um, reached for my phone, you know, day one, couple of hours in, I reached for my phone. I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Like I'm conditioned, you know, I was conditioned to, to reach for it and pick yeah. it up. Um, but once, you know, once I'd actually gotten rid of the apps, because I think a lot of people, like, once you pick up your phone and you see the app, you'll just click on it, right? Like, so right. the apps were gone. The apps were gone. So um, I started, yeah, it, it, it wasn't too hard. One thing I did notice is that you just substitute messaging, you know, so I had text. Yeah. <laughs> so funnily enough, I started to text a lot more. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, as it went on, what I realized, and I, and I live in a city, so it's, it's a bit different. Like, you know, if you live in, if, if you live in the country or something, it might be different, but Sydney is not that friendly of a town anyway. You know, it's a pretty, it's kind of got, a, I mean, depending on where you go, but if you're in the middle of the city, people don't say hello, people don't wave, you know, if you approach someone, they're like, what do you want? It's that kind of vibe, right? <laughs> um, so what I noticed is like, if I was, I'm, I'm not on my phone at all everyone else is. So I'm looking at the tops of heads for my bus ride in. I'm walking around. I'm noticing that people are bumping into me. I'm thinking, man, if like, if I was on my phone, would I just not notice? Am I noticing this more? Are people doing this more? So it's like, you almost realize that when you're on your phone, you're in kind of a meditative state. Like you're, you're not really there right? because suddenly everybody's bumping into me. But surely that didn't change just, you know, it hasn't changed overnight. It changed because I was observant rather than not being observant, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of it. And then another part of it is like just a very kind of a very human thing of just wanting to be validated. I mean, social media, that's where you get it now. So, you know, as, as a kind of confident dude, I, you know, you think you, you think you don't need it, but I'm walking around. I'm like, I'm completely off social media. I don't have like the only validation I can get externally is day-to-day -day life. And it's not that common. Yeah. So it's, it's no wonder that, you know, people don't just come up to you and say, Oh my God, you're so pretty. Like that doesn't happen that much <laughs> unless you're really pretty, which I don't know. I don't know how pretty I am, but like it doesn't really happen. So, you know, I'm walking around. Um, that, that's why people are so obsessed with it, you know, cause they're like, they can go, Oh, I don't feel great or I don't feel my best, put up this beautiful picture, get some likes, And it's like, it's crack, man. It's crack. Yeah. yeah. They love it. Um, well, so yeah. Dopamine hits their brain and then it's, it triggers uh, all those good sensations, those good feelings. I'm loved. I'm, I have value. Yeah. All this sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, I noticed that about, about, um, you know, confidence and validation and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but to be honest with you, not much changed. As soon as it, as soon as it was over, I kind of, back on the thing and yeah. you know it's <laughs> i might have to do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude well whenever i read um uh, because it, it was how many parts it was four or five parts it's three parts three i parts. haven't put the third part out because i'm useless but i will put it out um but yeah it was it, i mean it was people seem to really really like because i did a kind of diary entry style you know yeah well that's that's what drew me to it was i uh, i saw you post it uh because i read part one and part two i don't think i read the others but as soon as i saw part one i was like oh dude holy shit yeah let me read this this is cool just because yeah. you know it's for someone like me like i said it's tough to disconnect and you know when you talk about people walking around the city with their heads down 
you know, there was Melissa and I before before our son was born, we were eating uh, at a restaurant, and this was probably four years ago, maybe. We're sitting down, we're eating, and one of the things that, especially when we're out in public, if we're at a restaurant together, we try our best to stay off our phones altogether, and we actually do a pretty good job of that. Um, and a big reason for that too is setting the example for for our son and for our future kids. You know, we we want to have dinner as a family and actually be there with one another. So we're at this restaurant. There's a family of four sitting right next to us. One has headphones in. The other one's knee deep in games on an iPad. The the mom and the dad are both on their phones doing whatever, and not a single word was said for the entire time when they sat down to when they got their food. When they got their food, heads were down, and all you saw and heard was plates uh, and forks scraping each other. And I'm just like, the I don't want that to ever be me. And it's just, it's part of it. Like one of the things I'll do is I'll just, especially at dinner time, is I'll just leave my phone on the bar. And I'm not going to say I never go and check it when I'm up washing dishes once we're done eating. but I consciously try to make my best effort to stay off of it, but dude, yeah, like for those people that can't, it just dude, that's it's sad. And honestly, and this is something that that I touch on in part three, which again I need to put out. Um, but socialization and conversation is a skill. Mm-hmm. It's something honed. If you don't, it doesn't just. I mean, it, how many people have you spoken to and gone, "Oh my god, like this is torture"? It's because <laughs> I don't practice. Yeah, you know, it's something that you have to practice. So, you know, if you find it, diff- if you if if a phone is a crutch for you to to kind of that you know, and and I'm, we've all used it. We've all been at parties where we didn't know anybody, and you just go, yeah. oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look, you know, like I'm busy, or you know, we've yeah. all done it, you know, because we can't. Not everybody's comfortable everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's a skill. So if you don't practice it, you're gonna suck at it, and if you suck yeah. at it, you're not gonna be comfortable, and so you're not gonna do it. And so it's yeah. just like this. Oh, it's, it's a cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've got to practice conversation. You've got to practice, um, you know, being socialized. So you're not fucking so- socially inept like so many people are. Well, I think it's, I think, uh, you know, going away, I guess, from phone, so to speak, you know, I think socially people just get intimidated, especially like one of the things people are intimidated by is just looking like they're alone and they don't have anybody. So they turn to those phones. Cause one of the things that I do as a guilty pleasure, dude, I go see movies by myself. I'll go sit down at a restaurant and eat by myself. And a lot of people have that fear. Yeah. No, they just don't want to look alone. That was like me in college. Actually, you know, those memories, those Facebook memories. Yeah. I love those things, man. So one, (laughs) one popped up of when I was in college and I was like, man, like, there is no greater fear than seeing, you know, an American sorority girl walk into a cafeteria alone and not, not see her friends. Like, it's <laughs> like, like it was a deer in the, it's deer in headlight stuff, you know? Right. And I'm just, meanwhile, I mean, you used to see me in college. I'm just sitting there. I've got like seven plates, got the yeah. whole table myself. I'm like, just eat, like you're eating for function. Like, you know, you can be social as well, but just sit down, stop being weird, you know, it's, but yeah, yeah, people are weird about it. They want to, they want to look like they're with their friends or, you know, if there's something, right. I don't know, it's, 
the popularity thing. I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe I wasn't popular. <laughs> Maybe I was just well, that. Dude, I, and, and, and to be fair, like I used to have that same fear, you know, when I freshman, sophomore year, it, I think I got a little bit more comfortable in my third year. And then by my fifth year, you know, I'm doing the victory lap and I just don't give a shit at that point. But I guess it's getting older, right, as well, is you don't care so much yeah. about the societal kind of norms. You just get over it. And like, oh, exactly, this- exactly. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when you're talking about college students, too, it's you're still trying to figure yourself out. You know, you're trying to figure out what you're comfortable, where you fit in. And then I think once you get to that point and some people never reach that point, of course, but once you get to that point of just not giving a shit where it's like, okay, cool. Well, someone doesn't like me or someone wants to judge me. It's okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, chances are I'll never see this person again. Anyway, who cares? It's <laughs> you, you feel a lot more free to just yeah. be yourself and do whatever. Oh yeah. 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 Not, re- not be restricted by strangers. Makes no sense. Right. Whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. And then within reason, within reason actually, right. Oh, of course, of course, within reason. <laughs> Yeah, the Joker just came out. Like, let's let's preface this within reason. Do what you want to do. Right now, for you, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, you know, obviously you are a student athlete, basketball player. Now, we were yeah. talking about this a couple of months ago. We were talking about, uh, you know, your career as a college athlete. Yeah, dealing with a lot of the injuries and kind of some of the the mental strain, and this is. I guess, cycling back to growing as a person, you know, we were kind of talking about this and in college, like you're one of those guys, you said it earlier in the show, there's a little bit of arrogance to you. So of course, when you talk about someone who seems, who gives off that vibe of arrogance, you don't know what's going on below the surface. But I remember you telling me, you know, you dealt with a lot of depression because of those injuries, because you know, of just that feeling of emptiness that sports kind of left for you. So let's dive into that. You know, first and foremost, as I alluded to earlier, what a cheerful start to my morning, Mike, let's do it. (laughs) No, um, no, it's interesting. It is interesting. And and it's something that's, it's really, um, you know, predominant in athletes, especially, especially good athletes, you know, so guys who kind of draw their identity. And I think this is, that's the key. If I could say anything is that your, your identity, if your identity is taken away from you and you, you've got nothing to fall back on that, that's when you get into a, a problematic kind of area mentally, you know, I'm, I'm Sam, the basketball player, or I'm, you know, you know, Pete, the football player, or I'm this or, you know, whatever. So if you have your identity, it's not, not so much, I mean, being injured sucks, but it's more so that you slowly start to realize that all the things that you've, you've worked this so hard for aren't going to happen. And with me, that happened kind of so gradually and almost so cruelly. It was, it was like, Oh, one foot, you know, one foot injury. Okay. You know, that happens, you know? And it's like, you come back and it's like, you know, a torn labrum. Like, okay. You know, that happens, you, you know, whatever you fight your way back. Oh, you've broken your foot again. It's like, ooh, okay, that's not a good sign. And then it's just this slow kind of descent into realizing I probably am not going to play professionally and do the whole dream that I wanted to do. Like, this isn't happening. And then you, you kind of cycle down this really dark hole. And I'm like, I had a girlfriend at the time too, Ali, who you knew. And um, the, the strain that it took 
on our relationship of just me being an absolute like black hole. Um, not to mention that she ruptured her Achilles kind of around the, the time that I think I broke my foot the last time. And so the funny thing is, yeah, because I don't let most people into, and, and a lot of athletes don't, a lot of people don't, you know, not, not a lot of people get to see the struggle, right? Cause you know, that's, that's for me, the struggles for me. So people are like, I'm pushing around a wheel in a wheelchair. I've got a boot on, she's got a boot on and you could see from the outside, it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny, but you couldn't understand how tragic, you know, the actual situation was, you know, so people are like, ah, oh, you know, ha, ha, laughing, you know, whatever, like, oh, Sam, you're always in a boot, you know, just these throwaway lines. So they don't yeah. understand. They don't understand that, you know, I've given, I'm going to have arthritis at 50 everywhere. You know, I've still got two torn shoulders. I've got, I probably have brain damage from the amount of concussions I've had. Um, you know, and I don't, it's not complaints, but it's just like, it's just you, the reality. It's the reality of the situation. And we, we, we do this, but, um, yeah, as far as like, and as far as mental health, like my coach noticed pretty early on, he's like, you're not the same, you're not the same guy. Um, and they really didn't, it's like, I didn't go speak to a shrink. I didn't go speak to anybody. They kind of just put me on antidepressants mm-hmm. it was almost like a like a pet me up type right. of situation um which which is just not a good way to go like the you know like once you have kind of go into depression you kind of have it forever you know it's not something that really goes away you have it in waves and stages absolutely um but i i don't take any medication now um and i just think that numbing yourself you know with within reason there's people who have you know severe depression and um, you know, things where it's, where their health is at risk and their life mm-hmm. lives are at risk, you know? So there is obviously there's levels. Um, but sometimes you're just sad because you're in a bad situation. Like it's not, it's nothing wrong with you. Sometimes, sometimes you're depressed because, you know, you hate your job or you don't like where you live or you don't like your partner or there's, there's you know, sometimes stress is good. It's for, it's, it's, it's basically telling you, dude, you need to change. Whatever this is doing, whatever this is, it's not working, right? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so <clears throat> I found that pretty difficult. I also did find, like, like what we discussed as well, is that because I had that tough guy, um, the tough guy persona, you know, when I broke my foot, no one came to see me because they're just like, he, he wouldn't want it. You know, he wouldn't want, he wouldn't want us to come which was so far from the truth. I was just lying in bed and just no one came to see me. And I was like, man, like these dudes hate me or like what's going on. But then when I, when I spoke to um, some of them later on, they're just like, man, you just, I don't know. Like we never, we, we never delved that deeply into emotions or anything like that. I was always kind of the hard guy. Um, So I kind of brought it on myself, you know? And I think a lot of dudes, struggle with that is they think they let they think they open up more than they do yeah you know what well, I, mean? I think that's part of the stigma with sports and not just male but female you know there's got to be some sort of bravado involved and you know a perfect example of this when you were describing the injuries and how it just progressively got worse i don't know if you followed the andrew luck retirement uh quarterback for the colts yep yeah so perfect example He's still technically in his prime, 
And just before the season starts, he completely gives up everything he has worked for until now because he's like, I just can't do it. Every time I get healthy, here I am back on the IR. I can't even play. So it just, dude, I can't imagine, especially like you said, you know, you work your whole life for it. You come overseas to play college basketball in the U.S. um, And then – you know, just injury after injury. And for some athletes, this is one of the things we were talking about. Some athletes, it's just pure laziness. They don't do what they're supposed to do in the weight room, this and that. But then there's some athletes who it's just, this is your bad luck. Like, this is just your nightmare coming to life. And it's just, dude, it's... I mean, my my issue was overuse. It was the other way. It was that I did too much. I took Mm -hmm. no time off. I, I was always always wanted to get more shots up or, you know, get in the gym or do something. Um, and it turns out, you know, there's, there's a reason why there's, you know, the phrase work smart, not hard. Mm-hmm. I worked, I worked dumb sometimes, yeah. you know, and just, and your body just can't take it, you know? Um, but it is, it is interesting that you bring up Andrew Luck because obviously, um, I mean, you follow me on Instagram. I think like I love going through comment sections and destroying people. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I have a- always gotten uh, gotten along and had that in common. So yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I'm I'm single, so I need to bicker for no reason. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a I don't have a woman to fight with for no reason. So I, I just choose randoms. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, sometimes just for a bit of fun, just for sport. I know you're never going to change anybody's mind in the comment section, but of course. It's fun for me and my fun, not their fun normally. Right. Um, anyway, but yeah, the, the amount of people who were talking about Kevin, uh, uh, sorry, Andrew Luck um, and, and people who, who wish injuries on people and, you know, Kevin Durant going down, I, I had a really visceral response to the amount of people um, who, first of all, don't understand Achilles injuries. Mm. Um, like I said, like, you know, Ali, when we were in college, she had, you know, she a complete rupture of her Achilles. Anybody who has seen it and seen what it takes to come back and seen, and seen you know, you've got to relearn to walk, you've got to relearn to do all of these things. Anybody who's seen that firsthand would never, ever celebrate someone going down with that. You know, no, it's, just the, it's, it's just the saddest, saddest thing that I can think of is for sports fans to wish, like, bad health and you know ill will to what you know you can like call him a snake i don't care yeah it was a yeah. soft move whatever you want to do but but like don't celebrate an achilles an achilles rupture for god's sake like have some and andrew luck as well like put yourself in your in in their shoes all you do is you go to work nine to five hate your wife you know and all you're doing is you, you just want sunday football or monday night football that's all you wait around for you, i mean you, you know like these people don't have these people don't have injuries like these people have. They don't get knocked out all the time. They don't get, you know, they don't tear their ACLs and, right. and constantly in rehab. And if they were, they might sympathize a little bit, you know? Yeah. All these dudes who played like a couple games of high school football and they're, they're legends, you know? The same thing happened. I mean, we had to, <laughs> when we used to, I mean, in the frat guys, like the frat guys are funny, but like that gang mentality of saying whatever you want to say to the athletes you know, because we're on the floor and stuff, there was so many times where I just looked up at the, at the frat guys behind us and they, they went a little bit too far. I'm just like, I, if I could get you in the parking lot, right. <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? 
you would not say anything to me in the parking right. lot, you know, right. but you know, that, and dude, that, that's the problem with fans, dude. They know they're protected. Um, what was it that, just that, recently? That hood, yeah. that, you know, that group, that group herd mentality of like, yeah. You know? dude, and that's why I was telling someone this the other day and I wrote a column on this recently. That's why I can't go to games. That's why I can't watch sports with people. I can't deal with the comments like that. And as much as I can't stand Kevin Durant, like, dude, I don't want to see somebody's career get ruined because of an injury, especially, you know, we're talking about the Achilles injury. Dude, that's a death sentence now in sports. Like the Achilles injury now is what the ACL was 15 years ago. Absolutely. And, especially for someone as quick and as explosive as he is. Yeah. I mean, he does that again. See you later. He's, everything's done. It's gone. Yeah. You and know, you talk about you talk about the retraining, the retooling. Um yeah. I, I can't remember if I brought this up in conversation. I tore my PCL a couple of couple of years ago. Now yeah. that's the most mild of knee ligament tears. The most mild. You can still walk with one. You don't yeah. need surgery. You can just build the muscles around it to Get yourself back up. Dude. How'd you do it? Rhythmic gymnastics? What's that? How'd you do it? Rhythmic gymnastics? No, pick up basketball. What else okay. is new? I thought it was hula hooping or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm not that fragile. But um <laughs> but no, so I, I tore that and dude, you can ask, you know, my wife would tell you this because we we go walk around the neighborhood and we were doing that and like I'd try to like jog light pole to light pole and would do it and I'd take six steps and then it just starts hobbling because I don't know how to run at this point. And again, we're talking about the most mild form of a knee injury. So it's like imagining what these athletes go through when they do have to repair themselves for an ACL. You have to remember how to jump. Then you have to remember how to jump when there's contact coming. You know, you have to retrain your mind and your body to do all these things again, dude. And it's grueling. And Luckily, they can, they can, you know, they can rest on their bed of money. I guess that's, I think that's the one thing that the kind of the comment section get, well, you know, they get paid this much. Well, I mean, that's, that's capitalism, baby. You know, like right. the, NBA, the NBA makes Don't this hate money. on them for making money. You know, when, when, uh, when the education system starts making money, that's when the teachers will get a pay rise. But, right. you know, like it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's a bad argument to be like, oh, well, you know, you can get, he is rich. so he can go through this. It's a really kind of, they don't understand. It doesn't matter. Like suicide rates, not, this is not really about basketball, but suicide rates are just as high with rich people as poor people. Yeah. You know, super rich people to poor people, you know? So it doesn't matter how much money he has. Like if his, if all he is, is Kevin Durant, the basketball player, guess what's going to happen. He's going to be depressed and he's going to struggle and he's at risk. Yeah. So well, like dude, and that, the that whole, people whole, don't the, realize the crying thing. to his money, you know, that whole, you, you know, crying to your money thing. It's, it's a terrible argument. Yeah. Well, what people don't realize too is the more money that people tend to have, the more responsibility that comes with it, you know? Um, yeah. You know, people forget that, hey, guess what? If something happens bad for you at work, meaning the average Joe, no one's going to notice except for the people that you work with. Something goes wrong for an athlete or someone who is rich that does have a profitable business that's well-known. Well, guess what? Now you're under the microscope of the entire country and more. That's what yep. people forget. And I mean, that's the, that's the side of all this that, that fans tend to forget. You screw up, 
guess what? The only person that probably cares is your boss. They screw up. Well, now their team cares, and now the nation has an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And exactly. it's just it, – people right. forget all these different variables. And then, of course, this you bring up the teacher argument. Everyone is so sensitive, too. Yeah. It's, I don't know where it had it kind of happened out of nowhere, but, like, if I had to watch every tweet, every kind of Instagram story I did, like, oof. If I was, could you imagine? You've seen some of my content. If I was famous, my God, I'd be sued already. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah. especially now, man. I'd, like, I'd be canceled. I'd be canceled. You better go delete those in case you get famous because you know damn good and well someone's digging them up. Someone's <laughs> digging them up. That's it. Oh, you know, Sam said something mildly sexist in 2007. Oh, great. <laughs> dude, I went through uh, junior year of college. Um, I went and deleted everything that I had on MySpace, like deleted the profile and everything. So I'm just like, yeah. I can't, even, I can't get into my MySpace. It's just there. It's stuck. Oh. I, can't into, I can't get into the email attached to it. Nothing. So it's still there. <laughs> and it's so embarrassing too. It's an embarrassing profile. I think, I think, I think the, the song, you know, you could attach songs. Yeah. I think it's so into you by um, Fabulous. I really like what you've done to me. Oh my god, Sam awesome. was an asshole. That's fantastic, dude. <laughs> but um, but yeah, man. So I guess we kind of touched all the points I wanted to bring up, man. But uh, to close it out and everything. Well, so any any big plans with uh? With the new job, I mean, is there any place that you're visiting in the next couple of months that you're pretty pumped about? Uh, well, I, I'm going to be back in the States. I'm going to do a big tour of the South. So I'm going to come into Texas, see a bunch of friends in Texas, then I'm going to try and catch the back end of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Nice. So I'll be there for maybe four days, catch up with, like, you know, obviously well, I was there for five years, so I've got a bunch of mates there. Um, and then head up into Nashville and, and then I've got a friend playing his senior year in Kentucky at Eastern Kentucky university. So I'm going to go oh, nice. up there, um, and, and, you know, be there for him for his conference finals. Hopefully they make it. If they don't make it, I'll be there for commiserations. <laughs> <laughs> now the buddy, uh, that's at Eastern Kentucky, he's, uh, Australian. He's Aussie. Yeah. So okay, he's like, cool. Like my little brother, he's um, Lachlan Anderson. He's six foot, god damn, I don't know, six foot ten or eleven. He's just a long, lanky, lanky piece of shit, and he's he's good, man. He's 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 the captain this year, and he's I haven't seen him play since he was a young pup. So it'd be good to get out there and see him as oh, a yeah. senior in college and just see the difference. Because I don't think I've seen him play since he was eighteen or something or seventeen. And I guess just to wrap up, dude, that's got to be pretty dope, though, because, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, how the Australian pipeline and Nichols, I mean, there was a point where y'all had, I think, nine on the team. And then, dude, yeah. it's just grown in it the U.S. It didn't do as much good, though, did it? <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, you do it. You work with what you can, I guess. But, dude, Australia's become so I'm big and such a huge to... powerhouse for college basketball now, dude. It's, it's remarkable how much yeah. it's grown. We have, uh, I mean, yeah, we have, our skill is developing, but we've always been known as, as tough guys, you know? Um, that's kind of our, that's our shtick. I remember, I remember, I mean, I didn't know anything about, about America. I remember we rocked up and got into a pickup game with somebody and someone said, oh, I'm from this area. You know, you know, like when, when you're about to get into a fight, I'm from here. 
I'm from here. And I was like, I don't know where that is. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Is, is the whole neighborhood with you? Because it's just, it looks like it's just you right now. Right. Uh, you know, but yeah, we had, we kind of, we do have a, a good pipeline um, of, of Australians coming through. Um, and it's only getting better. And especially now that we've kind of got the incredible national team that we've got, you know, kind of, you know, we've only got, what, 20 million people. So um, to be doing as well as we're doing and to have kind of the names that we have, I mean, obviously Ben Simmons is kind of dragging the train. Um, yeah. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of the, the stud. But, you know, we've got a bunch of dudes kind of behind him. We've got a bunch of young guys coming up as well. So Australian basketball looks really, really nice right now. Hell yeah, man. But, yeah. dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a, yeah. been a fun yeah. conversation, man. We talked too much shit, man. We didn't even get to Kobe and LeBron. We're going to have to do another, another thing because we, we can talk for like an hour on that. <laughs> dude, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll have to do a combating series once the season heats up. We'll find yeah. something we disagree on and just go exactly. to work, man. Exactly. Like I told you, man, I don't have a girlfriend. I, I'm, I'm looking for an argument. <laughs> dude, just stay on Facebook and Twitter, man. That's where you'll find them. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Start stoking the fire, man. Yeah, you'll see me. You'll see my. You'll see my. Uh, my activity on social media ramp up. What's the What's the number one or like what's one conversation you've had on social that you really just you'll always remember? Uh, what? What like an argument? Oh yeah, like one uh, where you just drag someone through the mud completely on something. Oh, I drag Australia Day is a big one here. Australia Day, which I don't know if you guys would know the context, but essentially in, in, in a minute, um, we celebrate the day that the first fleet arrived. Okay. And Aboriginals find that horrendously offensive. You know, like, like yeah, Australia is the day that kind of white people got off the boats. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I've had a lot of, a lot of conversations kind of, attempting to educate on the the legitimate history of Australia because, you know, Australians have a tendency to, to drag Americans. And I'm like, guys, you need to look a little bit closer to home. We've got the same history. We did the same shit. Like, you know what I mean? We did just as, we did just as much to the natives as Americans did. So we need to, you know, step off our soapbox and, and you know, have a, have a have a read of the history books because we're we're a bit nasty. It's, we're a bit nasty too. <laughs> eh, well, every I think every parts of the world has their uh, has their got, nastiness. There's no they, history that's perfect, and that's well, history is an ugly. It's an ugly beast. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't travel to new worlds and and try and put up you know pitch a tent without killing the people who are already there. It seems like that's absolutely the way history runs. Anyway. But yeah, so a lot of Australia Day fights. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah. yeah, I don't know really what's been my. I, I think sports have just kind of always been my my go to for most people. I kind of stay I mean, away. From- yeah, for, for like for like throwaway lines, you know, like the, all the all the kind of weekend warriors and the couch potatoes. I, I always have something for them. You know, <laughs> like oh, you know, calling LeBron trash. Like I'm not a I'm not a LeBron fan, but come on, bro. Yeah, LeBron. Well, dude, it's just. It's right, speaking Jeffrey. and overreactions. Okay, Jeffrey, LeBron's trash. Yeah, okay. Go back to you know, go back to your job at the post office, champ. Like settle. <laughs> settle down. It's LeBron's trash, you know? Anyway. That's awesome. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on it. 
Yeah, I think, uh, no, dude, I had someone not too long ago. So I posted some about quarterbacks, right? Well, yeah. this particular person um, kind of discredited my opinion on something because I'm, I, I'm not a college quarterback. I wasn't a high school quarterback. I, I, I'm the quarterback of a glorified beer league team, okay? So that's, that's where my, my skill level took me. But he goes on this tangent about how I don't know shit, basically. And he's mm-hmm. like, you don't know what it's like to be an NFL quarterback. This dude was playing overseas, and I hit him on the next comment, and I was just like, okay, well, I see you're playing overseas. You're not even playing football in America, so what the fuck do you know about it? <laughs> and I'm just like, if you're going to use that argument, a place of authority against me, I will turn this around so quickly. It's a bad argument, man. That, that, it's a, that's the kind of argument that kind of the dictates that only people who are going through something can discuss it or can be experts on it, which makes yeah. no sense. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's just like what I can't. It's, it's the same kind of thing. Not to get political again, but that we can't. You know, men have no say on you know women's issues or vice versa. Women can't be experts on men's health or you know. It makes no sense. Like if you if you can study it and you can watch it, you can be an expert on it. it makes yeah, absolutely. Know, you don't have to just do it. Well, dude, um, I uh, I used to use that argument for uh, parenting because one of the things I told myself um, just because of how much I heard it. Uh, before I became a parent was, well, you're not a parent. You won't understand. I will never, ever, ever use that line of uh, argument or logic to discredit someone's opinion about parenting. And if I ever do, I'm going on record and say this, you have permission to light me on fire because I will, I, I can't wait to light you on fire. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad that we have that recorded. Um, yeah. People act like parenting is um, it's special there is nearly 8 billion of us. It is not right. special. Like, I mean, it's special to you. <laughs> like, of course, of course. Special to people who have children, but, you know, it's like there's plenty of bad parents in the world. There's plenty of good parents in the world. The kids turn out the way they're going to turn out. Like, yep. you know, you're not a superhero just because you had sex unprotected. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to collapse. We did it. We did, we did it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but that, is that really how we're going to end this? We're going to, I guess so, time? man. I mean, it would only, it would only be fitting with a conversation between you and I, I mean, that's true. That's true. That's true. Me, if I only just, we had a database of all the conversations we had in good old Nichols cafeteria. My God, me like that. We're ending this podcast on me attacking every parent. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Got me, parents. Bury him. but hell yeah man i appreciate you coming on and uh once nba season kicks up dude i'd love to get you back on because we could uh definitely do a full nba podcast talk about what's happening yeah i'm finally i'm I'm back watching it though i took a couple years off basketball but i'm i'm back watching it i'm a lakers boy um since i was a kid so it's exciting although lebron looks very very slow but we'll see what happens but yeah let's 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 do that once once this really starts to kick into gear and we win a couple games i'll be ready to talk sounds good man and uh before we end end this let's end this on this note yeah what is your what's your uh, two teams that are going to be playing in the nba finals this year uh it's i've got to go with the lakers although the way we started i'm not liking what i'm seeing but i'm a lakers boy so i i, I think they can get it done but Kawhi freaks me the hell out Dude, he's um, a killer. He, he scares me to death. But I, I'm going to go with maybe Lakers and Philly or, okay. or Lakers and, uh, and the Bucks. 
Those are my. Let's go Bucks. Lakers and the Bucks. I think the I think the Bucks have it. I think the Bucks can get through the East. The East is pretty pretty garbage anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lakers and Bucks. Cool. Well, if I was being honest, if I was being honest right now, I'd say Clippers and Bucks. Well, that's my pick. (laughs) I'm not going to be honest with you. The Lakers are going there. We're going to get another chip. (laughs) Fair enough, man. Well, Sam, always a pleasure, and uh, we'll see you soon because I definitely. Like I said, I'm excited to get you on for some basketball once things get kicked into high gear. Let's do it, man. I, you know I can talk about you know I can talk about LeBron James all day. <laughs> Look, dude, want to know, baby? We'll make it two and a real quick. <laughs> As if. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, uh, Alicia Silverstone. I don't know if you understand that reference, but I know Silverstone. Yeah, I got perfect, it. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can end it on a reference that you know. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care, man. All right, my man. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.